0: Welcome to the Legendarium Just because he's one of the great captains Doesn't,
1: doesn't make mean, him a secondary but
2: character But he is tertiarying the shit <laughs> out of us
0: <laughs> Okay everybody, it's Mighty Morphin Mazarin time Hi, welcome back to the... Oh, that
1: was so good, and you just threw it like pearls before swine. (laughs) (laughs) Cast it Uh, off. uh, It is...
0: uh, It's the (laughs) legendary Podcast, everybody, and this is episode something. And today we're talking about Towers of Midnight for our second discussion thereof. And uh, we are going to get to some of the things we didn't get to in the episode before. There will be a lot of discussion of the points that people brought up on Reddit when we called for points uh, a couple weeks ago And um, uh, And some other stuff Maybe we should talk about Rand Because, you know, we didn't last time Book
3: kind of about him
0: But, uh, before we get to all that I am Craig Hanks, your host And I'm about to embark on another hour-long conversation with him And on a scale of one To Moiraine is back My excitement level right now is about at morgay Got Married It's Kyle Lemon yeah, Morgay's <laughs> And when I stepped between the glass columns, looked into the future, and saw the complete destruction of my people and ideals, I was afraid it was going to be my fault. But nope, it was Ken Johnson. But I was there. That's something. And uh, he's as useless as a power
1: rot stapler. It's Ryan Bruckman. And I brought it upon myself. <laughs> I hold the pattern together. <laughs> that was in fact... At least eight pages of it. <laughs>
0: that, that, was, that was in fact a Ryan Bruckman uh, authored joke. So well done, sir. Thank you. You've dug your own grave. <laughs> uh, and stapled it closed. Before we get to everything, uh, again, patreon.com slash legendarium. Thank you so much, everybody who has supported us there. I, I honestly can't tell you how much it means to us i've spent a lot of time in the last month on the new studio and uh basically that has come mostly we're halfway done i'd say with the studio and that has come expense-wise almost exclusively from uh, patreon people and the gofundme campaign Uh, so you can still search us on gofundme i'm gonna leave that there and we will announce the next book series because that's where you can go vote for the next book series that we read i'll announce that when we uh do our first uh get or not, what, what's the name of the last book memory of light when we do our first memory of light episode i'll announce the um next series that we read so everybody can get started on that uh anyway like i was saying thank you very much i honestly couldn't do this without you guys uh, building the new studio we need to have a space where we can be a little bit more uproarious where we can film videos uh, instead of in this five by five box that we're kind of crammed into
3: um and, and so ryan has to sit on craig's lap that's not even
2: and based
1: on our previous episode that's very uncomfortable for <laughs> I, Craig. Mean, I mean he doesn't
2: have to there's plenty of space but, <laughs> but it's, just, but it's just kind of a foregone conclusion at this point it's just what
1: they do <laughs> one thing led to another Uh, And I learned the term heteroflexible (laughs)
0: That's right That's right I do like that is one of my new Favorite words Um, Okay so I was Hey you guys I was busy being heartfelt So can you just give it a rest for a minute um patreon anyway, people, we love you thank you yes yes very much thank you patreon people and uh we I, spend I a lot of our time and a lot of your money it, it, when this when the studio is done i'm very seriously considering uh carving a, a little sign for right above the door that says the house that rand built uh oh, yeah. either that or maybe the house that Kaladin built uh, mm-hmm. possibly something like that uh, so we'll nice. see but anyway it is uh, really is thanks to you guys i will dip into my own pocket to
1: uh let's be honest we're gonna call it the sandersonian the Sand- a, <laughs> yes i love right. it it's I a power it. rot studio <laughs> um,
0: no i i'll end up uh, i'll end up paying for probably most of it but uh, i wouldn't be able to do that without the support of listeners so very much thank you and i hope that more of you will support us going forward now then uh am i forgetting anything else go check us out on reddit blah 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 here we go speaking of reddit lots and lots of reddit commentary that we want to get to um now there was one uh one person marbles in the pan i don't know what that means but it sounds vaguely filthy um asks about veins of gold and apples first as the best chapters in the series as a pair and I don't remember the chapter names. And so I'm wondering, can you help me out, Kyle? Veins of Gold is the last chapter in
2: uh, The Gathering Storm when Rand has his epiphany on Dragon Mount. Okay. And then Apple's First is the very when first chapter. When he walks down. And- yeah, and yeah. he comes down and he talks to the apple farmer. Yeah. And uh, who happens to be the man who gave him and Matt a ride to Camelon
3: back in
0: the Eye of the World.
3: Fun um, fact. Yeah. Which was a crazy, <laughs> crazy callback. Like, whoa, yeah. super fun.
0: So in the, yeah, the last of, the last scene in the last book, Rand uh, achieves integration with Luz Theron and, Mm -hmm. um, and becomes Jesus. Jesus Rand. Yeah.
3: (laughs) I I don't think, uh, I don't, uh, uh, whatever. I
1: like the term Rand Sedai. Rand Rand Sedai. that's right Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I like that. He
3: mentions that he's the only male Aes Sedai living at the end of this book he says something to, can, like something like you may call me you Rams can call me, yeah. and
0: all the ice die in the room are just like what? So, what? <laughs> um anyway yeah. so he achieves reintegration with Luz Theron and, and thus uh achieves his sanity um and uh, is fully invested with his Taviran powers and his one power powers etc and so in the beginning of this book he comes down off of dragon mount from that experience. <clears throat> and he um we're we're with this apple farmer whose crops are all dying and then rand comes in and magically there are thousands of apples. Magically apples. Everywhere. And I think
1: this this is a really big deal and it could be easily glossed over. He's not it's this is not a one power weave. This is him literally just walking around walking around yeah and altering the pattern to his will which there really is only one other known entity to be able to do that, which is the creator himself. The, the Dark One can manipulate the pattern and, and corrupt it, but to actually alter entirely and change its state just immediately... Only the the, the creator in the wheel can do that. So, uh,
0: if um if we're again going back to a scale, sorry, but uh, if we're on a scale from zero being no control to ten being Teleron Rio level control of yourself and your surroundings, where you know it's just a weave and all of that, mm-hmm. where is Rand at at this point? How much can he control? He's final tapping on? eleven. This thing. I was gonna say it feels now, like he's at thirteen. <laughs> no, no, because if that were the case, I mean. Because because you have all these Forsaken, you have the Dark One, these things that are part of the pattern, and he can't just snap his fingers and fix everything.
1: Not fix everything, right. but he's altering the the state of being of the world around him. Pray I don't alter it any further. <laughs> um, it's not that he can just rewrite the entire pattern and just say, like, okay, I'm going to redo this here, but wherever he's at, he's, he alters that state. He does it twice. Uh, he does it in Apples here, he does it with the uh, the Potato Soldier... Um, when he goes back to the, the city that, he, uh, that he, he gave up, basically, and said, I can't help them, when he was dark, Rand. Bandar Ebon, is that word? Mm-hmm. I, yeah.
0: I saw a reference to the potato soldier, and I remember the scene, but you're going to have to tell me why is potato soldier in capital letters, and
3: what's that all about? Uh, he goes back to Bandar Ebon, which he... Which I'm, he forsook in the last book. Yeah, he um, just he gave up on him. He said, I can't help you, he gets out. Goes back, and they've got ships full of food and ships full of supplies that they're supposed to feed the people and they're all rotted there. I mean, everything so potato soldier. Isn't, you know, like a capitalized thing. It's just the guy who it was, is online. I know, but that's, he's, he's the guy who is, um, the nameless soldier. Who's, who's bringing stuff off, off the ships and finding everything rotten. Okay. And, and so Rand comes back and they're all yelling at him. You left us to die. You didn't help us at all. We hate you. And he says, relax, things cool. are good. And he walks to the ships and, They've gone through a hundred crates, but once they get to hundred and one, all of a sudden everything is is fresh and ready to go and ready to use. I thought so, it
2: was a really interesting way that they tied that back in because he says that, you know, you just happened to open all of the rotted ones. Yes. Every other one is fine. And, and, the, and everybody's all, like, that's not possible. And they're like, that's not possible. And he says, no, it's improbable. And it really ties back into Rand throughout the whole series with his Taviran ways, the impossible or the most improbable things. Happen whenever he's in the vicinity, and it's just happening on an even grander scale now, mm-hmm. and mostly for the positive after his epiphany um but to Ryan's point, he can kind of will it as well, yeah, um, but yeah, so he basically just says every other one's fine,
0: open it all up, and you're good to go uh okay, so yeah that that was good, and I like where Rand is at with that um I really like him in, in the apples
2: chapter, yeah um when he's talking to the farmer and he says something along the lines of how he's about to go talk to Egwene, mm-hmm. and he's like, she's oh, not, yeah. she's not going to like what I, or he says. I doubt she'll be pleased <laughs> with what I have to say to her. And then we get to that chapter and he hits her with the whole seals thing. But and we anyways, get the
1: completion of Elida's prophecy of yep. the, yeah. the dragon will kneel before the or will be the Amberland's anger. The Ammer- yeah. I can't remember what the exact mm-hmm. prophecies, but Yeah, we, what, what, what is the prophecy? Do we have? The, Do the, we know? We'll feel the
2: full wrath of the Ammerlin's anger or something along oh, those right. lines.
0: Um, and Does it, he feel it yet, or is that coming up?
1: No. With but, him trying to break the seals? I think that the prophecy is fulfilled when he meets with her and says, says we need to, to break know. the seals. Yeah. We have to break them. And she's like, what the, no? Um, and the fact that she then immediately starts trying to rally the nations of the world together and say, you need to stand behind me when I tell right. him no. Um,
2: that, yeah, that which, scene
3: is... Go ahead, Ken. I was going to say, that's a great scene too, but I, later mm. anyway... No, that
2: scene is fascinating to me because there's so many little things that are happening
0: Ken, within Ken with scene. the insight, everybody.
2: <laughs> I, I just don't
3: want to talk about it yet because I don't want to derail <laughs> the Rand stuff. <laughs> um, what's happening in that scene is, one, Rand...
2: Straight up just walks into Tarvalin,
3: which mm-hmm.
2: before any other moment in this book, 24 hours earlier in this book, he walks into Tarvalin or blows it up with Balefire, you know. Um, there's no yeah. way on the creator's green earth that he's walking into Tarvalin mm-hmm. with all of those Aes Sedai. But he just shows up at the door, nobody even knew that he was there until he's like sends somebody off like Gareth Bryn and like, hey, <laughs> I need to talk to the Amarlin. Can you hook me up? <laughs> and he walks in, and he goes in. You you up? Yep, you up? <laughs> you, up, you, up you up? I love our modernization of their phrase. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he walks into Tarvalen, and it said something along—I can't remember exact numbers—but it was like it was shielded by no less than twenty-eight Sedai or something like that. I thought it was fifty. Like and he's, 50 or and he's walking it was... in like it, like he doesn't have a care in the world. And Swan a- actually asked Gareth Bryn, like, "Well, what does he look like? You know, how does he seem?" And he's like, "Honestly,
3: he looks like an he Ais-A-D-I. looks like
2: an Ais-A-D-I. Mm-hmm. Um, and to so which she took offense to. But, yeah, <laughs> just the fact that he's walking into Tarvalon is huge. And then he walks in there and he lays down this whole thing with with Egwene, and he says, "We're I'm going to break the seals." And she freaks out and says, "No, you're not." And then kind of you know tries to argue the whole point. But the way that he says he says, "Okay, I'll listen to you. Meet me. I can't remember the time time frame. Meet One, me in a month. Yeah, on the fields of Marilor or whatever." Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about it, and I will discuss my terms.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I love that.
2: And so Rand has some kind of plan where he may negotiate with them, may not. Um, And I'm really curious to find out what's going on there. Um, Well, I know, but I'm curious for you guys to find out and see what you think about this angle.
0: So, yeah, what's your question? I
2: I don't have a question. I'm just saying I'm, I'm... Keep in mind that he says, I will meet you and discuss my terms for breaking
1: the seals. It'd be kind of like to get the idea of what do you what do you think those terms might be? What uh, why is Rand now trying to ransom or hold the world hostage type thing? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I find that interesting
3: because it it seems like I don't know what the, the terms are, but it seems like there's there's no way he isn't breaking the seals and every time we say seals i just think clubbing the seals but <laughs> every single time he's going to club the seals but it, it, it feels like there's no way so, he's not doing so maybe the best thing is why don't we go around and see like
0: what is what do
2: you how do you feel about breaking the seals
0: <laughs> well as an environmentalist <laughs> um uh no i i i'm totally on team rand on this one uh what perrin's uh analogy made a lot of sense to me mm-hmm. you don't take busted up corrupted metal and make a new sword out of it you mm-hmm. yeah you throw it out and you get new metal and you make a new sword so yeah it makes a lot of sense um and he's apparently the creator anyway ish and so i'm <laughs> fine with it
3: yeah it makes sense to me i mean you cut away you, mm-hmm. you, you cut away the bad parts and you you reforge new stronger you know seals yeah. that's just that um, makes sense to me
0: you guys don't get a say, Ryan and Ken, or Ryan and Kyle, because you know yep. how we're supposed to feel
1: about it. Uh, but that's just how I, can I tell felt. you how I felt about it, though. How did you feel? The same way you guys did. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> this so is with a, that, a
0: riveting conversation. I know. Full yeah, of great back radio. Well, so
2: with that, because, Craig, you are usually Team Egwene. Yes. How do you feel about Egwene's point of view in the matter?
0: It makes total sense okay. for her to feel that way. I Like... I guess because I'm coming at it from the reader's perspective, I get everybody's point of view. I get I get to see through everybody's eyes, and so it, it like, I sure. I've seen it both ways. Uh, I, even
2: even when, um, Egwene sits down and talks to Nineve, she talks to Elaine. I think it's in Telarandriod, and they have this little discussion about Rand wanting to break the seals. Yeah, and she gets a little bit annoyed at the fact that neither Nineve nor Elaine. Are, are taking her side. Taking her side on it and are, are freaking out about it as much as she is. And <sighs> that still doesn't register to her that maybe there's a reason to break the seals. Right. And the, the I think the argument that was made was they're going to be broken anyways, so you might as well break them and, and at least have- At a have, time of your choosing. Yeah, at a time yes. of your choosing and have, have somewhat control over the situation- over an otherwise completely out of control situation
0: Uh, for all of my love of Egwene. And I do, I love Egwene. I love so much about her, but as we've probably already mentioned on a previous episode, um, Egwene is very, very, very self-centered. Uh, she sees herself well at the center of the world. Um, and This is a reflection of that. And so she has come to what I think is a very logical conclusion. This is insane. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, that is an absolutely defensible position. So where her fault comes in is in, like you say, not being able to say to herself, well, you know, Nynaeve has spent the last year basically with Rand, like at Rand's side. And so Mm -hmm. she has seen his ups and downs. She has spoken with him. She understands uh, where he's coming from, and she doesn't consider that. She doesn't think what, you know, what, mm-hmm. why is Nynaeve thinking the way she is? And then, you know, same with Elaine. Uh,
2: so, so what you're telling me is that in the most important, the most important time in the history, did this go out? No, keep going. The most important time in the history of her Amerlin ship and in the history of the world. Egwene can't get over herself.
0: Um, In the most important decision to be made.
3: does feel a little sanctimonious.
0: That's, I, yeah, and I, like I say, this is a fault. In our stars. I'm, <laughs> shut up.
1: <laughs> I'm fine with it. Okay. Here, um, uh, sorry. Yes, Ryan. Do you have words to say? I do have words yeah. to say about this. I, there is merit to Egwene's argument. There's sometimes, though, an author will bring in two options and you can weigh either side and know like wow the story could really go either way my only problem with this one is it does feel like an inevitability that it's going one direction mm-hmm. so this argument is only for the sake of pride because it, right now it feels like these seals are going to be broken and Rand is going to break them
0: like it feels mm-hmm. that way as a reader though not from Magwayne's perspective well, though it's not Simply pride on her
1: part well that's what I'm saying is as a reader, though, because there are other books, other times when you are presented with a dilemma, and you can you hear both sides and go, You know what it could go either way, and I don't know which way the story's going to go yet right. Sanderson's really good at doing that it's not presuming a a correct a answer. correct answer in this one we kind of you know maybe I'm wrong, but we kind of feel that there is a correct answer and an inevitability of the seals being broken. The question then changes from. The the do we break the seals to how are we going to go about doing that how do we break mm-hmm. the seals when do we break the seals there's a lot of other questions that that can be answered once you come to the realization that yeah we're going to have to do that and I kind of wish Egwene would have come to that and said you know what Rand I've talked to Nynaeve I've talked to other people and I thought about it and you are right these need to be broken but they will not be broken until deemed appropriate like. You're not just going to willy nilly do this to the world. We need to work together. We need to work oh, together. maybe. Right. maybe this that's is what... where the Wonder Twins come together, and you have two rivers power, to, and they say, "You know what? Remember when you know we were?"
0: And the, wait, this is where our joke comes in, right? The one I wasted.
3: Yes.
1: Yes.
0: It's Mazroom time. What time is it? <laughs> it's Mazroom <laughs> time. Okay, your your mic. I think your mic did go out. I don't know, man. Did you? I didn't touch it. Okay, speak into it. Get right up I'm, in its business. I'm
2: John Mayering the crap out of this
0: mic right now. <laughs> all right, go share a mic with Ken. Uh, yeah, sorry, man. Um
1: all right, so where were we? It's all right. I can be I was just saying things. that I wanted to I, I think that there was there's room for this argument to progress one more level before it gets kind of tossed to the side because because it is kind of a foregone conclusion that they're going to break the seals.
3: Right. Well right. I I think it it becomes I mean, Less, maybe we're caught up on the term terms. You know what I mean. But maybe it's not necessarily. A, come here, and we'll discuss my terms. But come here, and we'll discuss what I need you to do when I break the seals. This is what I want you to do while I'm right. busy that's, breaking that's the seals. That's kind of the
0: impression I got. It wasn't like he was bargaining. He was just yeah. saying, "Here's what I'm going to need." I we'll discuss what I need you to do to get this done. So here's my thought.
2: Hey, there you hey, are. Hey, here I am. What? Up? Here's my thought. If you're now newly reintegrated, Jesus Rand. Why do you even go and tell Egwene? Oh, man. We're alienating so many people right now.
3: Well, eh, no, yes. I think we're just bringing more
2: of them in under our wing. Here, here's my wing. Come oh, on under. Oh, Jerusalem, yep. Jerusalem. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, why do you even go and, and and tell Egwene your plan?
0: Um. Yeah, because you need her help.
2: Why? But,
0: okay, stop leading me Well, and like, uh, just I take me there. I'm not leading you. That but that's, just that's a very
1: good point. Is this is Rand extending, realizing that you know what I haven't gone about this the right way, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to try and do this the right way now. That's yeah. That's so let right me. Thing. I'm going to reach out to Egwene and these other these other people who are going to be important in this last battle, and I'm going to make them a part of this. And maybe I don't care what their answer is, but they're at least going to be a part of it. This is right. this is Olive Branch Rand. It's kind
0: of like yeah. when I text you guys and I'm like, "Hey, what should we we record this weekend?" I've already made my mind up, <laughs> and I, it's just as a courtesy that I'm asking you guys, what 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 do you think? Okay, now let me tell you what's going to happen. Uh, I am the Rand of the podcast.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about us. We're pantomiming over here.
0: <laughs> Ryan is looking off into the sunset, going, "Well, yeah." Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I was trying to, to debate whether or not to throw something about a god complex or something in there, but <laughs> I'm half creator anyway. <laughs> Whatever.
0: Uh, okay, so let's get back to some uh, some Reddit comments. That's back.
3: Um, can we talk? Can we talk about Marden? Since we're still on Rand. Marden. Yes, actually, yeah, uh, that's, that's another one. That's from... the one I wanted to get to. Okay. Because, uh, uh, Marbles, one. Marbles in the pan. What is his name? Marbles? Yeah, Marbles in the pan. Yeah, He's Marbles in the pan. Lot, he...
0: I assume it's a he. It very well could be a she, but uh, Reddit tends to make me think it's just always a he, and that's just but not correct.
3: Marbles but... brought a lot of. He brought a lot to the table, so we're going <laughs> <We're> gonna... <laughs> oh, Mr. Marbles. But uh, that's he asks two questions in there. Uh, who's your favorite secondary character, and why is it uh, iteralda and also Meriden? Okay, you know enough said. And I love. <laughs> First I of love all, both of those.
0: Let's get our let's get our um, labels correct. Rodal Igeralda is tertiary at best. Okay, I can, he, I he's only come in in the last book or two, and he gets eight lines, and you know, comparatively. Just because he's one of the great captains
1: doesn't, doesn't make me. him a
0: secondary. But character. he is tertiarying the shit out of this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, I've already I went on. Okay, timestamp it. That was twenty three minutes. You get to edit this one. <laughs> um,
3: I uh, I went on record two books ago saying that, that Iterald isn't my new favorite. I'm gonna say it, or it or day anyway, I don't care, but he's my new favorite secondary, I'm gonna or tertiary character. I just I think he's awesome the way he goes about things. And no no task is too overwhelming. He's just gonna stand up and say, Okay, gotta be done. So we're gonna do it.
0: I don't care about him other than that he uh accomplishes some uh some story tasks right yes. i in order for me to care about a character they need to do more than have cool scenes Uh, and okay. i feel like that's about all he's got and so when i say things like um who was i talking about in the last episode uh oh Nynaeve. i love Nynaeve because <laughs> and you can spell out a few things oh we see this and that and we we see her uh talking about duty and responsibility and Balancing all these things. Ken, did you really just giggle every at duty? time
3: you say duty, man? I laugh.
0: You are the worst. You're <laughs> I'm the 12. I'm you're sorry. You're the I'm actual
1: 12. worst. That's, that's a high estimate. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway,
0: um, but so Rodolfo Giralda, he does have some great scenes uh, and he shows his tactical acumen and all of this stuff, but that's as he, far as it has gone yeah. up to this point. He, he
3: shows aptitude as a weapon or as a tool. But he doesn't have any... There's no substance to him. There's no Can, backstory. I, I just said that.
1: I think that... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell, tell you why... I'm going to tell you why Rotolai Tyralda is worth the time. Because he is also one of the first of the generals to go toe-to-toe with the Dragon Reborn and say, tell me why I should care. Yeah. Tell me why yeah, I yeah. should follow you. Um, the others have kind of dealt with the inevitability of the Dragon Reborn will be at the last battle. This is Rand says. I need you to do something that is not what you want to do. You want to go back and take care of your homeland. Um, I need you to do this, and he's like, "Excuse me, give me a good reason." Yeah, I. You better make you better make this worth my time and make this worth my worthwhile. And I think that I I really liked him. I am a little sad that he is such a short. part Yeah, that of this he story. doesn't get more. Uh, because I think that there's a lot. Honestly, you could do a whole spinoff series about each one of the great captains. Yeah, so I was just going to say, but... speaking,
0: of, speaking of which, I kind of miss Bashir. Mm-hmm. We haven't really seen much of him in a couple of books. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I miss having him around. He was a good Rand influence. A Rand influence.
1: Bashir and Itaralda and... Gareth Bryn. Gareth Bryn. Who else do we have that's one of the great captains that's still kind of kicking around doing stuff in our story? Uh, I have no idea. Those are the only three I can come up with right off the top of my head. Wasn't one of them a Sean Chan or?
0: No, the the whole thing on that was they're all great captains. Oh yeah.
1: Um, yeah, doesn't
0: probably doesn't matter so much right now. But uh, okay, so Rotala Gerarda, he's fine. Blah blah blah, whatever. Maradon, that was a fun chapter. Um, <laughs> that uh, I I really liked it. it, and this is where Sanderson's skill shines through. In uh, and I'll I'll bring it back to Mistborn um i'll try not to actually spoil anything for anybody who hasn't read mistborn but um but this is something that sanderson does well in that series and he does it a couple of different times where actually at least three different times where he says all is lost everybody you're all going to die and it is utterly inevitable and then something happens and you know he makes it work out for the heroes in a way that's that's believable uh and um and interesting and in keeping with the characters and the situation it's not pure deus ex
1: machina remind me of the events of maradon um okay that's the
0: city it's uh, on the blight border and it's being attacked by hundreds of thousands of trollocs rand and, goes and, out and, and says i will
1: save city." and got the this. city
3: lords have left to go find rand basically leaving it defenseless and
1: hopeless and yeah rand shows up
3: yeah, that's right. And, because he's making good, basically, on all the things he's done wrong in the last several books.
1: Which is the moment—it's him paying back Iteralda for his work. Yes, right. And kind of keeping his promise there and showing that he's turned and, a new leaf. And plant.
2: can we just talk about some of the descriptive writing in this in this chapter? Where there's—I think they talk about how the Trollocs have like sixteen trebuchets right. and they're launching corpses. Oh at, man! At the city, and then they figure out that they're not all corpses. So they're launching like actual drag car. Yeah. And it was just insane. The drag car attack. And then Iteralda has to start screaming in order to keep out the croon of the dracar. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: that was just so well
0: done. Yep. And yep, just yep. so vivid. Yeah. Anybody who says that Sanderson is not a skilled prose artist can go suck a duck, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, i agree wholeheartedly that was some fantastic prose in that chapter anyway ken what were you about to say
3: i i was gonna say to to put a bow on uh I, he's escaped inevitable death like three times now so i he's on my the die side of my live die list i think by the yeah. time this is all said and done he's he's totally gone
0: well let's work through the rest of mr marble's uh comments let's see parents trial yawn yes that's correct parent forging the hammer is great yes correct Egwene versus rand in the tower are we sure Egwene's not tavirin uh yes. no no we're not sure yes we are sure no uh, screw you
1: uh <laughs> but
0: i don't really care to talk more about that right now um Egwene-
1: i don't i don't want to rehash stuff we've already hit on but i'm going to say that i did not mind the trial sequence as much as everyone else did really it just
0: felt Unnecessary. so unnecessary it did,
1: I, I, I won't disagree that it was that's unnecessary guess, to drive but it was I do feel that it was well done up until the point where eh, I, I felt like it was a little I don't know if cliche is the right terminology when uh, Galad is given the you can go ahead and set the terms of it and he says I will wait him. to sentence him and he holds off and then says you will have to fight it tarman guard <laughs> I'm like oh great he got uh, okay. he got the community service option <laughs> um
0: i guess okay so the trial sequence maybe this is going back to our stranger things 2 discussion and i i won't spoil any of the story but there's a big uproar over episode 7 which takes a hard left turn in the middle of season 2 of uh stranger things and i i think i made the comment maybe even on the podcast that it's fine by itself. If this were another show, if this were an episode of another show, it's well done. It's reasonably well acted and directed. It's a little weird, but it's fine. But it's as a part of the whole, it it doesn't fit. It it slows things down. It makes me wish that the whole time I'm reading it, all I want is to be with my other characters. So that's that's my
1: problem. With I can it. and along those lines, I think that the one thing that it does, which isn't really super necessary, could be done other ways is it clears parents' conscience. Yeah. yeah. It, it serves yeah. one purpose, it, to do that, to allow him to just and, get back into, I'm going to be Thor, the guy, or whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah, Mjolnir. Yeah.
2: Here's my problem with it. Okay.
0: Remember
2: how I said you the... didn't want to rehash all this?
1: <laughs> I know, right?
0: Here we Sorry. go. Here we go.
2: We have been saving more gazes as alive for... Eight books. eight books, something like that. And if this is the purpose for Morgays being alive to you know be the, the judge jury for Perrin, it's not a good payoff for the <laughs> no. amount of screen time yeah. that it's gotten for the whole book. So that's even next level than the Stranger Things analogy of, you know, it's weird timing. It doesn't really work. It's just if this is why we've kept Morgays around for so long... It just seems super not worth it yeah
0: yeah i agree that's if that is the reason yeah because boy did i not care about her with the white cloaks i didn't really care about her with fayil didn't really care about her in her imprisonment she did have a great moment with the flag uh but that's yeah uh okay so terrible payoff if this is indeed a payoff and it sure kind of if feels like it she got married it's like she got married to talonvor and they're both going to go die in the last battle have a nice day (laughs) (laughs) uh so okay oh i need to get back to my reddit page here um we've talked about Egwene versus Masana, so that's fine uh asmonian underscore our old friend au wants us to look like a bunch of morons uh so he asked what our predictions are for the last battle i'm gonna table this one uh, we're we're thirty minutes in. Oh, I'm gonna save this till we have about ten minutes left. So, uh, hang in there, AU. I'm getting there. Yeah. V- uh, okay. So, look Le- liquiquinus, liquin Le- liqu. Le- Le- I don't know. Uh, y'all have y- y'all have some weird Twitter handles or whatever this is. Uh, Reddit handles. So he, has, he, she, it asks. How interesting did you find Land's arc in this book? From his apprehension toward the golden crane to embracing his duty as the king of Malkier, um, I it's fine. <laughs> I don't know what you guys think.
1: It's it happened. I I, I finished this book a little while ago, and I can't remember it. Right, I can't remember Land's arc in this one. There, it, it, and that and that actually is kind of speaking to my point of. I'm sure it was fantastic because Lan is he, his... Lan taking, is Lan. Lan. is Lan, and taking over his old kingdom and bringing that back from the dead is a very cool concept, but in the midst of everything else that's going on, not memorable enough for me to be like, yeah, yeah I need to it, deal with this. It got
3: about as much book time as it deserved in the sense that it, it was a couple of POV um, sections of chapters. It wasn't even a full chapter, and most of it was forgettable. It was Rand marching along the blight, picking up stragglers as land. he goes. Land. Yeah, you said Rand. Land. Sorry. It was. It was land. He's picking up guys as he goes and saying, uh, "the The banner doesn't fly." Well, we're gonna walk with you anyway. Oh, okay. And until there was a section at the very end where he gets enough people who say, "We're with you. This is a thing." You know. Basically, let's let's go do this, and we're going to follow you. And and despite yourself, we are going to, you know, raise the crane, and we're going to live on for Malchier. And he finally accepts it, and he says, "Okay, raise the crane."
0: It feels maybe a yeah. little too close. I, obviously, it's not the same because he was born a king and is mm-hmm. reclaiming a throne and all that. But it feels maybe a little too close to the Perrin storyline. I'm not a king. I don't want to lead you. This is a blah, 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 blah. And
3: then at the very end,
0: oh, fine. Yeah. Fly the flag, I guess. It, it,
3: it does. It, feels, it does feel like that. But it, it, that's the difference is that he spent 20 years.
1: Yeah, but I guess you know, my point is as a reader, we've, we've, already been, we've here, been through this. Vu. Yeah. So. But um, I, now that I'm thinking about it, I do remember there's one thing about that section that I really did like. And it's the end of each of his pieces of talking about the speech. him. speech. Where no, it's where it says and then there were five. Or it's oh, like, and then right. there were two. Yeah. And then there were five. And then there were twelve. <laughs> and then there was the nation. Like it's like I, eight, twelve thousand. Yeah. And for me, the individual moments, everything, it's cool to see it come back. That single line there, the that building of, of the rebuilding and reclaiming of Malkier, I just I enjoyed the that the way that was written. Um but yeah. again, I, I'll I tell you well.
0: one thing that's frustrating it, it, to me as a reader is uh, I don't feel like it's been adequately spelled out to me why he's going because uh, he and and I'm sure he had the discussion with Nynaeve, but maybe it just wasn't it didn't stick in my head or something. So you guys can correct me on this. But I don't feel like I got a whole ton of motivation except like, well, the last battle's almost here. I guess I might as well march to my
1: death. Uh, wh- which is what? How, which is basically what Lan had been doing most of this series, it's right? But I guess it,
0: it feels a little weird because he knows Rand is gathering everybody and that uh, that he could have a part to play as as a part of the greater whole. You know, joining his army to everybody else's. But instead, he just says, "Oh, well, I've got these uh, twelve thousand troops. I, I guess I'll just well, throw them away." When
2: Lan was born. He was promised to fight against the shadow as the last king of Malkir. And that's kind of the whole like the nation's call. I mean, all of the borderland, all of the borderlanders are the same way, except for Malkir is like next level fighting against the shadow. And because it's been swallowed by the blight and all of that, he was sworn to be basically this lone warrior against the shadow. That is his entire purpose in life. And that's what he's been raised to do.
1: His portion of the prophecy, basically. Mm hmm. (laughs) And uh,
2: the one thing, the one part of that whole sequence that I really enjoyed was when he's talking to one of the guards or whatever, and he says, the guard says to him, oh, are you going to be here waiting for your king like the rest of the Malkyrie? And he says to the guard, I have no king. And right after that is when he says, like, the golden crane flies. And that was super, super cool.
0: Yeah, uh it was good.
1: Okay. Uh, Yeah, I I like this individual scenes fine. But anyway, got a little bit of a 300 thing going here. The whole blight's going to come down on these 12,000 um you gotta hold it back
0: f- okay we're jumping back uh, and i don't know if i want to jump back i'll just give my two cents to uh De- desmond Hume. three desmond hume maybe desmond okay. hume okay i'm going with desmond hume on this one from galad's point of view would you have handled Perry, Perrin any differently and vice versa would if you were Perrin, would you have handled galad differently uh I don't You care. mean other than
2: mom? This guy killed a couple of guys.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. I, I, would I do anything differently? I don't. I don't think so. They, yeah. If I were Galad, I would just try not to be such a dick all the time and call it good. Yeah, I if really. I, I find a
1: hard time carrying. Actually, oh, this is the one. Mm, I want to make sure this is in <laughs> in the right spot. <laughs> this is the big value to the trial sequence, and it's more gaze's discussion with galat about being able to decipher what is right
3: oh shades of gray yes yeah a little less absolutism in Galad. that's
1: and it, it puts him in the position to be able to make the the most right decision possible with for that with nuance yeah which i think is something that the children of light need um yeah, think back to it, that discussion, That's, I remember yeah. no, noting that discussion and going, "I loved this discussion because I think it's something worth at least thinking about for people. Like people should think about it. You don't have to agree with their responses, but at least think about that concept."
3: Now that you say it that way, because that that has always been the most hateable thing about the children of the light is they're just such absolutist zealots that you know if you're not. If you don't see it exactly the same way we do, then you're a dark friend and we're going to, you know, dark friend you.
0: We've got like 20 more minutes and a few more things to talk about. So I want to race away from the White Cloaks uh, as fast as I can. I'm done with them. So Vroxilla, I don't know if it's Vroxilla or Vroxilla. Either way, I think it's a great name uh, on Reddit. Yeah. How do you feel about the visions of Shanchan Conquest and Aiel Destruction when Avienda went through the pillars of Ruidion for the second time? Um, I was, until that scene, I was, uh, I rolled my eyes every time we got an Avienda moment. Didn't care. Didn't want to be with her. Didn't want to go back to Ruidian. Uh, but then that scene happened and I was very interested in it, uh, especially how it would square. Because at the end of it, okay. Sorry, I'll give a little recap. She goes back, she goes into the glass pillars and sees a bunch of crap. And then she goes, well, that wasn't all that upsetting. And I didn't really learn what I feel like I needed to learn. So I'm going back in and uh, nobody gets to go in, oops, sorry. Nobody gets to go in that many times uh, because wise ones only go in twice. And if you go in any more, you die. And maybe this is why, because it's too much to handle. And so she sees visions again, working backwards. She sees that the Aiel have been completely shattered and destroyed and they don't hold to their oaths anymore and they don't care about honor and uh, the Sean Chan rule all. uh, Nibhai football rules. Um, (laughs) But uh, and then working back she comes to understand that it was because of decisions that she and her children made very early on after the last battle and it allowed the Sean Chan to conquer everything and kill them all. And so she comes to the realization that she's going to if this is all true, if this is destiny, then she's going to do something to wipe out everything, or you know may maybe not her directly, but there but there may be something that she can do to avert this, and so now she's going to be tortured about what that could possibly be. I think that's great i I, I think it's a great bit of storytelling. I don't know how that is going to be squared in the last book if at all yeah but i i really like the questions that are brought up
3: i I found it interesting in the sense that l- like you i was like avienda comes on I, I shut my brain off until that moment and then all of a sudden i went wait what's going on here but at the end of it all i thought was well that's interesting i didn't have anything deeper i mean i'm interested to see how it plays out what she does to change her future, but I I, I, don't I like care. it because there's Other a
0: um, there's a concept that's brought up. It's actually brought up a little bit in Oathbringer. It's also brought up in Tolkien, uh, in the Lord of the Rings a little bit. That uh, that knowledge can be a tricky, <gasps> tricky thing. Um, if whether it's um, knowing the future or being able to you know communicate through the palantir and gaining knowledge that way, you can be manipulated through knowledge. And knowing your future, uh, or at least believing that you know your future, may cause you to make uh, awful, irrational decisions. And so what might this do to affect the way Avienda operates going forward? That's what I find interesting about it, potentially.
1: Not yet, but potentially. It also, in a very inadvertent way, raises the stakes of the last battle. Because what it does is it tells Avienda and, it, and the Aiel and anybody else who takes time to listen to this story, that, yeah, you if you win the last battle, that's great. But there are going to be consequences. And you need to think about that now. Life, life will still... If you win, life will go on, and you'd better and you, be set up for success. Because everyone, everything is focused right here to this one point. Right. And as soon as you get past that point, what's going to happen? And so for her to have that vision and that and that information ahead of time might actually... it. It will weigh on her decisions about how you to go into the last battle um, because it will affect things. I don't think we will. I actually part of me when I first read that, I was like, "Eh, this could be like a subsequent series. You know, they could rewrite down the road a little ways mm -hmm. if they wanted to. But I don't actually expect to see this
0: really pay off, really pay off. There's
1: the The book ends. The next book, and if we start like if we have fourteen chapters at the end, we're dealing with the Aiel, <laughs> Right, then, like, that would oh, be awful. Yeah, that would be a terrible way to finish the series.
2: So before she gets to Ruidian, she has <gasps> a conversation a with a conversation weirdo. with somebody. Who, who was, was that? that? Nakomi. Nakomi. That's who she introduces herself as. So uh,
0: yeah, I was very curious to hear who Nakomi was, and then she just rides off into the sunset. It, it felt. I, I rolled my eyes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nakomi felt like Sanderson was going, well, I, I need her to think about these questions and nobody's around her right now to give her the right questions. So I'll, I'll just throw somebody in. Uh, that's probably not what it is. But by the end of this book, I'm sitting here going, well, that felt a little forced. Mm-hmm. Uh, good questions. Inter- yeah. Interesting things to think about. But the scene itself felt a little bit like, wait, what? Why, how did you, what? Uh so it's I, I do We all know it's Hoyd. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so that is one of the the questions um that came out for this book and I'd like who to, is who is everybody Nikomi. was talking about kind of about, the whole like who killed Asmodian? Right. Who is the So just thought I'd bring attention to it. Cool. Uh, also, who killed Asmodian?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Do do we know? Yeah, I know. Well, I, but do I know? I don't know, do you? Uh-huh. You should know. I don't. There's enough There's
2: enough context clues.
0: I don't. The, the problem is that in order to guess who killed Asmodian, I would have to care who killed Asmodian, <laughs> and I don't. Um, maybe you should. Maybe Ooh. I should. <laughs>
1: I don't know. What we don't realize is that throughout this entire series is that the creator has been taking a hand and has been appearing as different characters when needed. At times, the creator is Bella. At times, it is she, the creator appears as Nakomi. Oh, it I does. see. This is a joke. Uh,
0: yes. You're making a joke. This is humor. This is what hu- you
3: humans call humor. Yes. I think the, one
1: day the processor in your chest will be able to understand this. I think
3: the creator killed Osmodion.
0: Okay. Uh, you're all, you all suck at this podcasting thing. Um, <laughs> I, I want to talk about something that we
2: skipped over during uh, Maradon.
0: Oh, okay. Sorry.
2: No, that's fine. Um Rand can see dark friends. Oh yeah, that's, that's a was, thing. Oh,
0: yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so, and who was it? it oh, it was uh, it was that uh, Pop Jay in the Tyrant Court, right? What was his name?
2: Weiramon. Wireman.
0: Weiramon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His yeah. dark friend. How about that? Yeah.
2: I, and I, then uh, what's his name? The one of the captains. The Turk Torquemon, something like that. Um, Torco Brand. When he's watching Rand become the storm and is just wreaking havoc on all of the Trollocs and everything, he actually claws out his eyes. Oh, that's right. Because he cannot stand to look at the light that is Rand because he's a dark friend. And his wife like jumps off the, jumps off the out wall. Out the window, yeah. Or whatever. Uh, and so it's like, oh, dark friends. And Rand's talking about how Nobody can hide anymore. Like we're now to the point where it's it's about it's about, conf- it's about
1: confrontation. It's not mm-hmm. about sneaking or whatever. Yep, which and, is why, um, which is why I reiterate my point, like that he's at an eleven now. Mm-hmm. It's the he sees the threads of the. Like, I almost think he sees the threads of the pattern, and that's why he's able to say you're a dark friend because he can see their thread and see where it dipped in the dark ink and say, okay,
3: it should be know. nice if he so, went back to the Black Tower once in a while. Let's. Uh,
0: yeah that that's gonna come in handy kyle with the uh, dark friend thing yes i think black tower and that leads us into let's talk about book 14 we need to make some predictions uh we're asked by and and i feel like this is another one of those desmond hume situations on reddit where i feel like i ought to be able to read this username and i can't i have no idea what it's supposed to say but 7yr4n1ness
3: for us, I think it's Tyrana Tyrannosaurus or something like that. <laughs> uh, Tyrannosaurus, yeah, Tyrannosaurus rocks or something, something
0: uh, Maybe like that. I, don't know, I get maybe. Um, now that Moraine is finally back, what do you think her role will be for the last book? I want to talk about her first, and then Taim, and then um, some other stuff. Uh, but Moraine first. What do I think? I and I said on Reddit, I have a very specific thought about Moraine. And that thought is that Kalandor needs two women.
3: And that was exactly my thought Now too.
0: you have, um, there are lots of Aes Sedai out there, but Moiraine, even diminished as she is, she has the Angriel that can, uh, that she says, I'm, I'm more powerful with it than I was before without it. Um, and so she, she definitely has, uh, she has enough to be useful. Uh, we have Nynaeve, who's incredibly powerful um, and very skilled. and uh, I, But I think more valuable than that in Moraine's case is that Rand trusts her. Stability. Um, and so I, that's where I think she's going to come in. Rand and Nynaeve and Moraine will wield Kalandor in the last battle um, and blow up the Dark One and yeah. uh, send his taint back underground where it belongs.
3: I'm exactly with you on that. Do so.
1: Nah, never mind. I'm not going to... What? Well, I, I'm trying to remember. Kat Swain says there's something else about... There was something about Kalindor.
0: Um, No, it's a Min. Min is saying, uh, based on what I've been studying, there's... Uh, Kalendor... Something's wrong with Kalendor. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be used against you. You have to be more careful. You can't just wield it in the last battle. And Rand says, yeah, I know. I don't know how it's going to be used against me. I I know, but I still have to do it. So that's going to be a thing so i'm also looking forward to men's studying ever paying off ever (laughs) (laughs) um luckily we haven't dwelt on it in the last book or two but it keeps getting brought up so i assume it'll get paid off uh or maybe that is the payoff maybe it was hey hey Rand, watch out okay good thing you were there to tell me that (laughs) (laughs) thanks for that half a book worth of studying uh uh okay. And then the other question, what did I skip over? Oh yeah, AU wanted to know. Oh, he just wanted to know general last battle stuff. So, once again, we're pushing that off. Uh I want Mazram Taim predictions,
3: especially from me and Ken. Ken, who is Mazram Taim? Um I I think he's Demondred, although I know you've stepped off that hill, so I'm I'm squarely on the the only one on the real estate, okay. but I, I think he's got to be although it's so it's set up so obviously that he is that maybe he's not, but I'm going to go with it. I th-
0: I think it could still be true that he's Demondred. That that still makes sense to me, but there was um, there was a thing that happened, and that was uh, what was the name of the uh, the Sanderson creation? You, you, you uh, said Androl. Andrel is apparently in an, an entirely Sanderson creation. He brought him in. Yeah. And, and there's something weird going on at the Black Tower. Yeah. And there's an Aes Sedai who looks dead behind the eyes. And it's happening with all sorts of Ashima. All sorts of, yeah. People and who just then, get raised to his inner circle. At the end of the book, in the epilogue, there's a random character on the blight border who sees some red-veiled Aeel yes. coming. And
3: the the demon uh, Eel is what I call them. Uh,
0: sure demon I Eel they yeah. have filed teeth and red cotton sore uh, or red veils and yeah. uh dead eyes and he realizes they're not here to help there's something going on and I'll tell you what that something is okay. that something is pot on oh yeah that's my prediction that muun has been working behind the background so. Mazrim Taim could or he may or may not be Demondred, but either way, he's got a Shadar Logoth dagger cut and has been pot unfeigned. And the Black Tower, which I thought was going to the Shadow, is being taken over by Pot Unfeigned. And that's where Rand is gonna have uh that that uh you, confrontation. Oh, you
3: son of a oh son gosh, of a what ken it's it's brilliant cuz i've been saying for like the last half dozen books put on fein do something and <laughs> and the moment that he's got a chance to do something i'm sure so
0: Ky- Kyle and Ryan are looking furiously Here's... at the carpet trying desperately yeah. <laughs> not right. to signal whether i'm right or wrong that's fine these are the, i don't want to know
3: these are the three predictions i wrote down for Mazrum Taim Taim has to be Demondred that's the first one i put then i put down well maybe maybe he's not Demondred but but uh, Taim frustrates the plan uh, uh Randall Thor's plan until Loghain stops him and then I wrote down Taim and the black channelers um bind up Rand until Logane flies in and breaks the seals instead of or, or you know or and and makes him all vaporize or, you know, does the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark things. Right. Uh, so I I don't know, somewhere in Nazi somewhere melt. In there. Yeah, he does he does the Nazi because Loghain breaks the seals and now Rand is free in the the black Ashiman or are vaporized yeah, which we saw we saw dark male channelers in this book so i wondered at first oh you know male dark friend channelers that is interesting Black i Tower stuff
0: i i have felt frustrated up to this point and i still kind of do a little bit that there hasn't been a rand versus time showdown uh yeah. it's been building now for you know, eight nine ten books for a whatever. long time yeah it's and um and, and i need that to happen at but at the same time, I've kind—I can acknowledge that uh, that there are a lot of pieces that have been laid out for an epic book fourteen, and yeah. so so he, that brings me into something else that I want to talk about, which is there are so many. Oh wait, Kyle, did you have something time related to say? Mm-hmm. Do you want to come back to it? No. There can't. are so many final confrontations that have to happen. There's on Fane, there's Mazrum Taim, there's Moradin, uh, Ney, what's his name in the first three books? Ishamayel. Ishamayel. Ney Uh, The Dark One. And there's, I'm sure there's more, and I'm well, forgetting. And the Sean have to come the in. The Sean Chan. Yeah. There's got to be a confrontation there. Anyway, and so at, at a certain point, I'm thinking to myself, this entire book is going to be one long climax which, under other circumstances, I might be on board with. But in this case, it seemed like it's going to be a lot. So, I, I guess I'm... <laughs> I finally got
1: Ryan. I broke Ryan. What? what well, on, the, he is man. sitting on your lap. No, there's... Sorry. If any of you follow Community and remember how they killed off um, Chevy Chase's character. Oh, I don't. I, <laughs> I don't remember. He died from dehydration after providing <laughs> all of them with sperm as a...
0: <laughs> like for, as for a final a gift, it
1: was his bequeathment to oh, all geez. them. It was a a a thermos. That's disgusting. Yes. And he died of dehydration. I had
0: no idea that show was so blue. Yeah. Uh Okay. Anyway, so I I guess I'm just looking forward to all those final confrontations. I I have noticed, by the way, Kyle, not only because you're sharing a microphone, but I think because of the circumstances. You've been awfully quiet this episode. Yeah,
2: I mean, I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, Um, and I don't want you to spoil anything. Also, part of it is just hard to back and forth on the mic, but I I will say this. Go reread the epilogue.
0: Uh, Okay. Just because. For time stuff?
2: Um, Just for stuff in general, because we're talking about predictions for the Last Battle and that kind of stuff. Just for stuff in general. Um, There's some cool stuff. It also uh, alludes to what we were talking about earlier in the Who Killed Addis Modian.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Ugh. Um, I guess, like, I'm sick and tired of trying to care. <laughs> I don't. I don't. So.
1: I, I won't make any predictions because I, I, I finished the book already, but um, I will say this, that coming into A Memory of Light, one of the key questions I had was what does a final confrontation look like? because in a lot of fantasy literature where you have a champion of light facing essentially an all-powerful god creation or something like that, you know, it's one thing when they are champions facing up, but when you face an all-powerful creation like that, what does that, what sort of battle does that have? It's Because rarely is it, you know, sword to sword. So what
0: what does the battle actually look like? What does it actually look like? Because you can say last battle, but... It can't just be Trollocs murdering humans and vice versa. I mean,
1: all of that, I mean, you'll have all the elements of war in there, but what does the deciding point look like? And, yeah, there's a lot of things to to bring up around that, but it was the question going in that I was like, I honestly have no idea what it's going to be like when Rand and the Dark One actually confront each other. Right. Is it going to be the Dark One, you know, all of a sudden just taking the personification of, you know, Moradin, or, or is the Dark One, you know, does Rand... Become is it going to be a, a, a
0: Fellowship of the Ring prequel situation with well, the
1: with the helmet and everything? Well, I'm sitting here thinking I'm I'm comparing other ones that I've read, you know, and I don't want to spoil series, but things like where where you're dealing with, you know, becoming another god or things like that, and trying right. to face up. Like, what does that look like? I'm trying to compare it with things, and I I was very pleased with how it was done. So. Okay, all right. Uh, Ken, we got uh, time for final thoughts. I got,
3: boy, I got nothing. I got so many questions and so many predictions going into this that I'm, I'm just excited to see who, how who everything... Who lives
0: and who dies? 60 seconds. Ready, set, go.
3: Um, let's see. <laughs> Where's my list? Okay. Um, this is, uh, dies. Rand, Min, Egwene, Elida, Julin, Varen already uh, Bashir, Itaralda, Tom, Talmanis, Gowan, and Masima, uh, Fain, Mazram Taim, Elias, uh, or uh, Elias, sorry, Brigida, Domer Flynn, uh, de Mizar, who lives, Matt, Tuan, Perrin, Fael, uh, Lan, Nynaeve, I- Elaine, Avienda, Logain, Cad Swain, eh. Loyal, Gareth, Brent, Sawan, Moraine. What? Are you still yeah.
0: going? This is still dies? Yeah. Uh,
3: no, this is lives. lives. This oh, is lives. lives. Wait, uh,
0: when did we start lives? Start over. When after
3: lives. After I said Mizar, I, which okay. I don't know who Mizar is, but, um, Matt, Tuan, Perrin, Fael, Lan, Nynaeve, Elaine, Avienda, Loghain, uh, Cad Swain, Olver, Loyal, Gareth, Bryn, Suwan, Moraine, Berylaine, Gowan, Tam, Althor, uh, Abel Cawthon. I threw in Harold Luan because I like him. Uh, Narishma, Galad, Grady, Naif, Bane, and Shiad. Those all live.
0: I disagree with so much of both of those that's lists. That's all right. You can so Although
3: I, I left Rand on that list only because I've had him on there for so long, but I... I think he lives now because he's still got to put four puppies in
1: Avienda, so, you know.
0: Well, we got a, we got a long book ahead of us. Yeah. Is
1: that how you described it to your wife? Yeah. <laughs> that's, tell, that's, tell, that's me, tell me
0: more about, <laughs> any, any more about than... <laughs> what you think <laughs> any, of your wife's uh, uh,
3: <laughs> both species and gender. Any, any more than two is a litter, so it's, you know. Wow. I'm just saying. Yeah. <sighs> Ken, you are an awful, awful human being. I'm not. Whatever. Okay. Uh, so right. anyway, I don't know. That's.
0: Let's let's cut and run, uh, and just note that I'm very excited for this conclusion, not least because, quite frankly, I am pretty much watted out, you guys. I I have reached watt exhaustion Maximum levels. Maximum wattage. <laughs> exactly it takes so much out of you 14 <laughs> so, books man. i can already see why kyle and others say it, you've got to reread it uh once you get to the end it's oh. worth going back and understanding you know why certain things happen in early books i get that and i think i will it, in a while it's going to be a little while uh but so far very pleased um especially with the last three books and um, very much looking forward to book 14 so that'll be coming at you in uh, probably a couple weeks I don't, I don't know exactly what the schedule looks like from here but um, maybe I'll put that up on Reddit and let you guys know what's coming up anyway thanks everybody for listening go check out uh, thelegendarium.reddit.com and join the conversation for this episode and uh, once again support us at uh, that thing patreon.com legendarium like us on Facebook subscribe to us on itunes and please leave a comment on itunes and uh yell at us there we really appreciate all of your support thanks everybody we'll see you next time